Welcome to Boston Partners Insights, going beyond the headlines with our investment team to provide a deeper perspective on the capital markets. I'm Chris Falaba from Boston Partners Investor Relations Team. On this episode, we take a trip off the beaten equities path into the dynamic world of video games. Do you know these sounds? If you're among the older members of our audience or a true aficionado, you may recognize such bips and boops from a game of Pong. The digital table tennis game was introduced to arcades in the early 1970s and became a groundbreaking sensation. Today, 50 years after Pong first landed on the scene, gaming is a flourishing entertainment industry that outpaces the revenue earned by movies and music combined. To put numbers on it, gaming generated more than $150 billion last year and is on pace to eclipse a quarter trillion in 2025. That includes game publishers and platform manufacturers, lucrative divisions of major studios, and more. Gaming is just becoming an everyday event. And based on market research, currently video games is the most common form of entertainment. Equity analyst Lawrence Chan covers this dynamic industry for us at Boston Partners. He also covers cutting edge sectors such as internet services, digital media, and payment platforms, all podcast topics for another day. In this conversation, we hit the start button to hear about his focus on gaming. Lawrence will lead us into an industry that combines tech, entertainment, electronics, and even e-commerce. He'll tell us more about business models in the industry and provide information and insights for investors to consider. On this episode of Boston Partners Insights, Lawrence joins us from his office in Los Angeles to enlighten us on the big business of gaming. Lawrence, welcome. Thank you for having me. I don't want to date myself. Let's just say I'm not old enough to remember the gaming industry's relatively humble beginnings, but I grew up playing Nintendo, big Mario guy. What's your game? Well, I think my first game was Space Invaders on Atari. And uh, back in those days, I mean, we have big names like Pac-Man, Frogger. Those were my uh, first games. Classics. Okay, so we're recording this the first week of October. My guess is just about everyone in our audience has some experience with video games, even if they've never touched a console or been to an arcade. But I think we should start by talking to the uninitiated. Why does gaming belong in a conversation about business and investing today? Well, video games has been a booming industry for the past 20 years. And with the advent of the PC and now the smartphone, gaming has been more accessible to everyone ever before in history. And with uh, 2.9 billion video game players in the world that is slated to continue to grow as more smartphones are shipped around the world, gaming is just becoming an everyday event. And based on market research, currently video games is the most common form of entertainment. There's 2.9 billion players every day playing on their smartphones. That's slated to continue to grow at a 7% CAGR over the next five years. Why has the industry grown so rapidly? I think it's just the next evolution from movies and music. Players are able to essentially live out their adventures in the virtual world. And there's amazing storylines. A lot of the producers on video games were ex-Hollywood producers. With improving graphics, the realism on video games is just phenomenal. For the younger generation, that's their first choice of entertainment. We're emerging out of some tough times with the pandemic. How did the recession affect the gaming sector? Well, last year with COVID, 
the industry saw a huge boom. With the lockdown, a lot of consumers were stuck at home and video games was a way for them to uh, get away and to actually still have some form of entertainment. And so gaming is currently the cheapest form of entertainment out there. And for consumers, essentially the cost per hour of entertainment is only $1.50. Going to a movie at this point is easily $10 to $15 per show, which lasts you an hour and a half. So video games will win out even during a recession. How do you classify and define the different segments in the gaming industry? And can you compare and contrast the key drivers of business for each segment? If we look at the industry today, globally, it's 176 billion of global revenues. And the market breaks down between the PC market, the gaming console market, and also smartphones. And currently the largest market today is actually the smartphone market, accounting for over 50% of the market. The smartphone market has very low barriers to entry because most people have a smartphone and most of the games on smartphones are free to play. So it requires less upfront commitment. And so the smartphone mobile games have been growing the fastest and is slated to continue to grow faster than the PC and the console side. Globally, the largest market today is China, followed by the US, Japan, and Korea. Thanks for that breakdown of the industry. Very helpful. Traditionally, when I think about video games, my mind goes straight to consoles and controllers. Let's start there and dive into the hardware. The console market uh, has been around for over 20 plus years. And currently, the console market counts about 30% of the global gaming market. Historically, a console cycle would last anywhere from 8 to 10 years. And right now, in 2021, we're entering a new cycle for the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox X. The console market is a market that's skewed more towards the Western markets. In places like Asia, Latin America, players tend to favor mobile gaming instead of the console market. But for North America and Europe, the predominant platform is consoles. You mentioned Xbox and PlayStation. Are they the biggest players or are there other players in the space? Yeah, currently the biggest players within the console market is Sony with the PlayStation 4 which has 125 million installed base, followed by Nintendo Switch, which has 90 million installed base, and then the Xbox with 60 million. So it's a huge market. With the rapid increases in computing technology year after year, will the console cycle persist or will it eventually be replaced by some other delivery technology? Well, we believe the console market will be around for at least another five to seven years. The evolution with video games is that eventually all of the upfront hardware costs to buy a console will eventually come down and all the processing power will be on the cloud. And some of the biggest companies like Google, Amazon, Microsoft are all pursuing this vision. Interesting. With video game consoles, usually when there is an upgrade cycle, they use the highest, most powerful chips that's on the industry. And so initially during the manufacturing process, there are very limited supply to begin with. And currently globally, we're facing a supply shortage just across the board within chips. Video game console manufacturers have not been able to to escape this this challenge in the near term. And so currently we are uh, supply constrained for both the Sony and the Xbox and the supply of chips will not likely improve until 2022. 
you don't really think about video game consoles as being uh, part of the chip issue. Most of the media coverage has been around the auto industry. What about new technology that's coming out, such as 5G? You talked about the cloud a little bit. Seems like this industry is changing at such a rapid pace. You know, as an investor, how do you even keep up? There's definitely a lot of technological improvements to come, and the cost of the technology keeps coming down. Currently, the cost of a console is around $500, and for a high-end gaming PC, it's like $1,000 easily. As technologies improve, the cost of the hardware continues to come down. And as we move into the cloud gaming, the cost of the hardware will come down below $200, and it will be more accessible to people in the emerging markets, which will even allow a greater expansion in the number of players. Again, we're at 2.9 billion players around the world today. We think that number could grow to 4 billion easily in the coming years. What about VR, virtual reality, for our listeners? Do you see anything coming from that? Yeah, VR is definitely a new technology that's been around for the past, say, five to ten years, and it's very exciting and interesting, and allows you to essentially live in a virtual world and to experience these games as if you're living in that world. Now, the issue with VR is that a lot of players will get motion sickness. So the duration of play tends to be limited to 20 to 30 minutes. I think until the industry could overcome the issue of of motion sickness, the industry is still going to be a very niche market at this point. Let's switch gears over to the publishing side. Can you take us through the big players there, and does each have their own specialty? Sure. Within North America, the top video game companies are Activision, Electronic Arts, and Take Two. Now each of them. Are known for their individual strengths. So a company like Electronic Arts, they dominate the sports genres, and essentially, you know, sports drives over 50% of their revenues, and they pretty much dominate FIFA soccer, NFL football, NBA, hockey, golf. They're known for their sports franchises, and the key strength for EA is that they've been able to sign up all the top leagues and the team players as long as they have. A connection on the licensing side, they continue to be the dominant producer on the sports titles. Activision has their own strengths; they're good at creating their own franchises. All their video games have been developed in-house with unique storylines and characters. They are very strong in role-playing games, games such as Warcraft, Starcraft, Diablo, and they're also very strong on first-person shooters, Call of Duty, which is the number one title within this category. Take Two, they're known for Grand Theft Auto, which is a unique title in that it allows players to become a criminal and live in an ultra-realistic life simulation. Take Two has a very concentrated revenue in this category, but they have a very loyal fan base that continues to spend on a daily basis. So it's a very sticky business. Now let's talk about what's on most investors' minds. How do these companies make money? Can you dive into their revenue models on the Console side, with improving broadband speeds, a lot of players are starting to just download their games directly on day one, rather than going to the store and you know picking up a disc. Currently, 80% percent of the industry have shifted to an online model where most of the consumer spending is done online instead of buying a packaged disc. Historically, retailers would earn a 15%. 
gross margin on the sale of these discs. And by moving to an online model, the software publishers are essentially recapturing that margin structure. So as the industry continues to shift online and eventually 100% online, the game publishers will continue to see margin improvement. What about the in-game purchases? Um, how is that built into the revenue model? Is that significant for these publishers? Yeah, for a lot of the publishers, the new model has been to sell you a game up front, but then also follow up with uh, game updates every you know three to four months. Uh, they'll create new characters, new weapons, new storylines to keep you engaged. And because of the network effect of being able to play against other players, uh, there's a big community where players continue to spend money above and beyond the initial purchase of the game. So it becomes a recurring revenue model where after the initial purchase of the game, people will continue to spend $20, $30 every quarter. So that brings us to demand. I mean, it looks like there is demand for, for the video games and, and these these upgrades, if you will. Is that demand really more localized or is it more universal? The gaming demand, I think it's universal. The popularity of games carries across countries and cultures. And so with a lot of competitions that go on now globally, there's just a lot of cross-pollination of interests from different countries. A title that works in North America are starting to, to also work in across Asia. And so the potential for video games is really increasingly global. You mentioned mobile earlier as being a significant part of the industry. How does, how does it fit into the mix? Right. For the North American video game publishers, historically, they've really just participated on the console and the PC side. For the mobile business, it's still a very fragmented industry where a lot of game developers are small teams, one game studios. And so it's a highly fragmented industry where nobody has more than like a 5% market share. So mobile has been growing fast because it's tied to the adoption of smartphones. And smartphone games are typically free to play. So it makes it very attractive for emerging markets where incomes are, are not as high as developed markets and uh, the barriers are low. The only time they need to spend is when they try to progress through the game. And in order for you to progress, you might have to buy a new weapon, upgrade to a new map. So all these features are built into the game to incentivize gamers to spend money. There's a reward system that's built in to uh, get players to, to spend money over time. There are a lot more titles within the mobile gaming space. So, you know, players will choose from hundreds and thousands of games and they might switch from game to game quite often. There's less of a commitment. Whereas on the console side, most people are required to pay upfront. So it's a more predictable business for the game publishers. On the complete other end of the spectrum from mobile is the recent emergence of esports, gaming competitions played in packed arenas and televised events. Is this just a fad or do esports have legs to run within the segment? Well, the esports industry is still at a very nascent stage. Globally, it's generating about a billion dollars of revenue. And I imagine that you know, we're starting the professional sports league from ground zero. A lot of the esports teams are based on uh, first person shooters and very competitive games. A lot of the NFL owners have decided that in order to hedge 
longer term that video games becomes the dominant form of entertainment. And a lot of the NFL owners have decided to own teams. We're really just at ground zero at this point. And esports, I think it's here to stay. But right now, from a revenue standpoint, it's uh, very limited for the game publishers. It's more of a marketing event to drive marketing and loyalty to those titles. What are the gaming trends outside of the U.S. and where are the biggest markets? Outside of the U.S., the largest market would be China, followed by Japan and Korea. The markets outside of North America and Europe are, are quite different in that people tend to gravitate towards mobile games. Uh, that's partly due to not having the access to consoles because in China, consoles were banned for many years and they only received government approval over the past three to five years. So it never really took off. In Asia, the predominant systems were always PC and mobile and consoles are really just a very nascent stage at this point. That's unexpected because you wouldn't think of China as being the nascent stage of anything today. Now, through your work as an analyst, you come across a lot of good companies, but I'm sure you see your fair share of bad ones. Are there any interesting short ideas in the gaming space right now? Yeah, one company that I think would be a potential short is a mobile games company that's focused on casino-themed games. The company benefited last year due to casino shutdowns as a result of COVID. And so there was a surge in spending. Now, casino-themed games are types of games where there's low barriers to entry. And these are games like slot machines, poker, and bingo. When the lockdown ends, I think more people are going to return to the casinos and the spending within those types of games would eventually move back into the real world gaming. You mentioned China as one of the bigger markets. We've all heard or read that China has recently come out with and regulated the amount of gaming that can be done in one week. Um, how does this impact your analysis? Right. So the restrictions in China are largely targeted towards minors. Uh, so kids under the age of 18. In China, currently they're restricting gaming to three hours per week on the weekends only. But again, China is a market that's largely free to play on the mobile side and spending by younger consumers account for only 3% of industry revenues. And so we believe the impact to the software companies in North America are going to be very limited because the more casual games are simply not made by the North American publishers. As we begin to wrap up, let's apply our Boston Partners lens to the sector. That is our three circles investment approach, attractive valuation, strong business fundamentals, and improving business momentum. Do certain segments within the gaming industry lend themselves to the three circles more than others? Yeah, I would say the big software publishers in North America tend to be more positive in my view in that the revenue streams are much more predictable compared to mobile games. In terms of industry fundamentals, we are entering a new console cycle. And typically we focus on the upcoming pipeline for many of these software publishers. And usually they tend to hold back their game releases until the initial installed base is built up. So as the supply of consoles become more readily available next year, that's when you're going to see more of the bigger titles being released by the software publishers. So their business will improve as these games become available to the market. In a new cycle, 
the demand tends to be very strong. And what's unique about this new cycle is that this is the first cycle where both the parent and the child have grown up in, in the world of video games. This is the fifth generation for consoles. The younger generation that's hitting 15 years old, they grew up on smartphones. They grew up on video games. And so this is the first cycle where both the parent and their kids are gamers. Never thought about it that way. Um, you know, as a value manager, what investment opportunities do you see out there today? Do you want to play uh, the console manufacturers or do you want to play it on the publishing side? Uh, currently, I see value both in the platform company like Sony and also the software publishers Activision. Both companies are trading at a 15 to 20% discount to the S&P 500 multiple 20 times. They both have strong balance sheets with net cash. They're buying back stock. And the upcoming cycle would be favorable for both the platform and also the publisher. Orange, you're in this every day. Why should an investor be excited about the landscape in gaming? Well, we think the technology continues to improve. And with the new consoles, graphics are improving. The AI is improving. The whole user experience is improving. And a lot of companies are also looking to expand a lot of their franchises across new forms of media, like TV, film, merchandise, esports, and advertising. And what about the future? From an investment standpoint, is the gaming industry likely to stay so hot? We believe that on the mobile side, there could be a slower spend as more casual playing consumers will move back into travel and other forms of spending. But for video game players on the console and PC side, these tend to be more hardcore players that are very loyal and very enthusiastic about the titles. And so most of these players will continue to spend in the coming years. Lawrence, appreciate your time today. Thanks for, for helping us navigate the dynamic world of uh, video games. Thank you all for joining us. For more investment perspectives, check out our website at boston-partners.com. We look forward to having you back for future shows. For now, I'm Chris Valalba. See you next time with more Boston Partners Insights.